Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. What a wild time we're living in. Um, What a wild concept to be preaching into a camera I gotta say, I've gotten pretty accustomed to being the recipient of an online sermon, but to deliver one virtually, this is a first with me. I promise that um, I'm very mediocre live, and so hopefully this virtual thing may boost me just a little bit. Um, For those of you I've not yet met, my name is Andrew. My family and I have attended The Vine for three years now. My wife Katie is actually on staff as communications director, and I'm grateful to serve on our leadership team right now and also our compassion team. I truly am excited and I love that our church is doing a sermon series on the complexity and the nuances of what the gospel is, what the gospel means in our life. In so many ways, I really resonated with Mark's opening sermon on how the gospel is about transformation and that is transformation as opposed to a simple transaction. Because I I believe I very much grew up with a transactional model of church in mind. I have very vivid memories of the various times I would be in a large church service or a youth event or a concert, feeling this fear and anxiety that because of my struggles, I would spend eternity in hell. And it was presented that if I could just do this transaction, if I could repeat this one prayer, this one certain way, I'd be okay. And I mean, who, who wouldn't want this? And so to play it safe, I actually did this transaction over and over and over and over. I have memories of, of accepting Jesus like 13 times And what's weird as I look back and think about it is that every time it seemed to follow such a familiar script, no matter what the venue, no matter who the leader, it always began with, with every eye closed, with every head bowed, and repeat after me. I do want to pause here, and I I just, I want to be careful, and I want to admit that, um, I'm not trying to say that this sinner's prayer, this accepting Jesus into your heart is fundamentally wrong. I don't think that. I think it's, it's, an, it's a great thing. What I think is problematic is, is when that is the wholeness of the gospel in our mind. And I think that is sort of how I grew up with this black and white in and out. What I think what I want to encourage and to say and to reflect and examine today is to consider that the gospel is more than this. The gospel and all of its complexity and beauty impacts the way we see the world, the way we live in the world, and the way we interact with our world now and forever. This morning, as we read in our text from Luke 24, the road to Emmaus, I want to propose that the gospel is an opening of our eyes. 
It is a new way of seeing the world, of living and participating in this world. The gospel is an invitation to see the world through a new lens, a new perspective, a new way. And the way is God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so first, let's start with just a recap of this text. So here we go. So in this text, Luke 24, we're introduced to these these travelers. And they were actually disciples of Jesus. They were in Jerusalem um, at the weekend of the Passover when Jesus was was handed over. And so this is a a close, um, faithful group of people. And they're on their way home a couple days after, um, and they're journeying to this town called Emmaus. And we're told that they're distraught and they're grieved. And I have to imagine they're they're confused and they're deep in conversation, trying to sort things out and figure things out. And, and while they're in this moment, a stranger comes up and butts into the conversation and just says, hey, what's up? What are you guys talking about? You know, as strangers do. And Luke fills us in, the reader, that this stranger is actually Jesus. And so we know it's Jesus, but the strangers have no clue. And they're just like, one of them, Cleopas says, are, are you serious? Like, are, you must be the only one in all of Jerusalem that doesn't know what's happened this weekend. And I love the response. Jesus is like, no, what things? And the travelers go on to describe that they regarded this person as a prophet who was powerful in word and deeds. And they hoped that he would be the one that would redeem Israel. But instead, he was handed over and he was crucified. And they go on that there's some rumors, some women uh, went to the tomb and saw an angel, told him that Jesus had resurrected. And, and so Jesus steps in right here and he's like, oh, you fools, like, come on. We're told um, that Jesus explains that the Christ had to suffer these things to enter into his glory. And then we're told simply that the stranger interpreted them for the things that were written about Jesus in all of the scriptures, starting with Moses and on through the prophets. Can't imagine this conversation, but as they get closer to their home, you sense this shift in the transition. Uh, You sense this shift with the travelers as they get to their exit and they say, hey, stranger that just told us all these things, why don't you keep talking to us? Why don't you join us at our house? And so Jesus goes to their home and he assumes the role as a host. And in their home, he takes bread and he breaks it and he prays, and he does this repeat of the Last Supper, and we're told the disciples' eyes were opened. The travelers' eyes were opened, and they recognized, they saw that it was Jesus with them, and they were transformed. Jesus instantly disappears, and these disciples couldn't be the same. They, they travel once again, and they go to the other disciples, and they tell them the good news that Jesus has resurrected, that Jesus was alive. There are two components of this story that I want to pause on and dig into and sort of sit in as we consider what it looks like for it to have our eyes opened. And I think it's fair to mention that both of these points come from a book written by N.T. Wright called The Challenge of Jesus, Rediscovering Who Jesus Was and Is. The first moment of pause and the first moment to consider is why the travelers were so bummed out, why the travelers were so distraught on this journey. As they say in the passage, 
We were hoping that he, Jesus, would be the one who would redeem Israel. We have the, in this statement a glimpse into the hopes of the early followers of Jesus. A belief that the prophet and the Messiah they had put their hope in would be the promised one sent to deliver the people of Israel from the pagan oppression once and for all. And while this belief was grounded in, in prophecy and historical precedence, the frustration certainly must have come from their expectation of how it would be that Jesus would deliver his people. Their expectation of how they thought Jesus would save them from the oppressors, from the Romans. As, as N.T. Wright says, the method was quite simple for the expectation. It was holiness, zeal for God and the law, and it was military revolt. The crucifixion of Jesus must have been such a devastating jolt to their faith. The expectation of many was for Israel to conquer its enemy, Rome. Yet, the one who was supposed to bring this victory and this liberation was the one that was handed over by their religious leaders to the oppressive Romans themselves, to the government leaders. We can see why these travelers must have been so frustrated, so confused, so grieved on their journey home upon being interrupted by the stranger. It's hard but important for us to imagine what it must have felt like that Good Friday, to not see and to not know the conclusion of the cross. And that takes us to the second important moment for pause, and that is the response of Jesus, who is the stranger in this story. The response of Jesus was to go back and it was to tell this story, this narrative of scripture in a new way. If there was ever a moment in history to eavesdrop, to hear Jesus review the entirety of scripture from Moses on through the prophets would be such an epic mind melt. We don't know exactly what Jesus says in this moment, but we're told that he provides an interpretation of all the things written about him. I imagine he spoke of the, the promise God made to Moses to, to liberate his people from the oppressive regime of the Egyptians. And surely he then went on to the, the Assyrians and the, the Babylonians and then to the Romans. And I imagine in this, he cited so much of the prophets. I imagine he cited Isaiah and Jeremiah who proclaimed that it would be in exile. It would be in the darkness that redemption would come. And this would happen, as Isaiah says, when Israel is narrowed down to a remnant, a servant, when things looked as thin as possible. As N.T. Wright comments, the scriptures, they, they aren't a story about Israel beating up her enemies and becoming established as the, the high and mighty masters of the world. No, it's always been a story about how the creator God, Israel's covenant God, would bring his saving purposes for the world to birth through the suffering and the vindication of Israel. The traveler's sorrow wasn't because they didn't have faith. It was, be, it was a matter of, of seeing and living the wrong story. And Jesus here is opening their eyes. He's reimagining the story to understand, to explain that the cross was God's unique means of conquering evil once and for all. Jesus was opening their eyes to see the alternative ways of God's 
wisdom, a way in which the weak are made strong, the last are made first, the poor in spirit are blessed, those who mourn are comforted, the meek are the ones given the inheritance, the hungry are the ones who are filled. That is the good news of Jesus. This is the gospel message that Jesus illuminates and opens our eyes to. I think this story is so popular and compelling to us because we see the light bulb moment. We see the time that the travelers go from this dramatic transition of emotions, from sorrow to joy. I love the manner in which Jesus appears to the travelers. True to form, Jesus appears in an unexpected way. It couldn't have been expected or he couldn't be recognized. It isn't until the travelers invite the stranger into their home that their eyes are opened and they see who it is before them. For me, this begs the question, are we seeing God's kingdom in our world today? Are we looking to encounter Jesus in our world today with open eyes? As we are all very well aware, the times we are in right now are described as dark, scary, chaotic, divided, broken. You can fill in whatever expletive you want. But weirdly, the alternative way of Jesus is to bring light to darkness, liberation to enslavement, hope and life where there's death and decay. I believe like the road to Emmaus, Jesus is in the habit of showing up as a stranger in the unexpected parts of our lives, in the years like 2020. For me, there are unexpected places I feel that Jesus is showing up in our world, in our community right now. And I believe that we need to have open eyes for it. The first is in the state of the church in a time of COVID. I'm not trying to say that God sent this pandemic and, and sent um, people dying to just teach us a lesson. It's not the point. But I do believe that the, God, the good news of the gospel is to see our world through an alternative lens of God's ability to bring light to darkness. And right now, while our church faces uncertainty as a remote church, our home is in a public school, we don't know when we're going to go back. I believe there's an alternative perspective to see this moment in time as an opportunity, an opportunity to view church less from a Sunday morning tradition and more as a community needing to lean in on one another, to lean in on Jesus for strength, a community that is not so reliant on a once a week, one hour in-person service, but rather a community that's reliant on God's spirit. A community that's reliant on one another and our relationships are a community that's reliant on getting outside and, and serving in creative ways. Yeah, perhaps attendance may be down and, and that's going to mean tithing's going to take a hit. But, but could it be that there's a renewing opportunity for the church to grow its dependence on God's spirit in this time? The, the other unexpected place that I feel like I've encountered Jesus and had my eyes open to God's alternative ways is through our country's current reckoning with racism. Growing up, I had the belief that racism was an individual act of hatred in one's heart, one's mind, one actions, and, and I didn't see color. I cared for all people, and so I felt exempt from it. 
but over these past couple years, specifically in the, in the work that I do in a local nonprofit and, and working with low-income in, individuals and, and through the enlightenment of so many writers and activists that are speaking up in our time, I've come to learn that racism is it's complex. It's an ongoing series of, of factors that we've inherited and, and it's, it's systemic in that it makes people of color experience a disadvantage in our society. And it's something that I participate in and I've perpetuated the system unknowingly. As we see statistics, as the data continues to reveal that people of color are simply more vulnerable, they're higher risk of death based solely on the color of their skin. This is a reality it's not okay for us as a church to ignore. Like COVID, while I don't believe God is allowing racism just to teach us some lesson, I do believe that as followers of Jesus who live by the alternative good news of the gospel, we are given a lens to see, to see our current system of brokenness as an opportunity to repent, a reckoning to grow and provide healing, an opportunity um, for those who are disadvantaged to be given life. The gospel demands us to hear and to see our brothers and our sisters crying out, asking, do our lives matter? And to respond and say, yes, of course, your life matters. In dark times, in an uncertain world, I believe that Jesus shows up as he did on the road to Emmaus, often in unexpected ways, looking to reimagine the world through the lens of God's kingdom, looking to open the eyes of his followers to see through the alternative ways of the cross. I want to conclude by just telling you about this really cool thing that Luke does. In the Gospel of Luke, so many of the situations that Jesus finds himself center around meals, around the table, around eating with his disciples. And numbers are significant in the scriptures. And the number seven is a number of completeness and wholeness is a symbol of the seven days that God created the, the whole earth and heavens. And the seventh meal in Luke is the meal that Jesus has with his disciples before his, his death and crucifixion. It's the last supper. And so it's a way of saying that Jesus's ministry um, was complete at that meal. His seventh meal, he, he had finished his, his mission and his purpose on this earth. This story today, The Road to Emmaus, it concludes with these travelers inviting Jesus into their home and they share a meal. Jesus breaks bread with them. This is the eighth meal in the Gospel of Luke. And I think the number eight is important because it's, it's a new week. It's the first day of the next week after the creation. It's a new season. It's a, it's a new time. And it's the time where Jesus has fulfilled his mission and he sends his spirit and his revelation to, to his church, to his disciples, to his followers, to be enlightened, to see God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and to go out and be renewed and be filled with joy. And so we see here this inauguration of a new time where Jesus departs from them, but the disciples, they go carrying out Jesus's mission. The gospel is the good news that Jesus has come to open our eyes to God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven.
And just as the travelers on the road to Emmaus heard Jesus reveal a new story of God's redeeming work in the world, we, Vine Church, we have an opportunity to see and to participate in God's alternative way of love, love in place of hatred, light in place of darkness, peace in place of violence. May we go, may we see, may we be the church. Grace and peace, my friends. Amen.